Right, good, good evening, everybody, and um, welcome to Connect Church. Like I said, my name's Roland, and if I haven't met you, I would love to meet you after this. Um, but I just want to launch straight in to what we're doing tonight and unpack God's Word together. We're continuing with a series called Relationship for Dummies. And believe it or not, there is a book out there called Relationships for Dummies. And we've put a question mark on the end, and we've tagged it and said, God's already given us a book, right? Um, as Christians, we, we don't feel like we need to be able to go and buy a book from exclusive books to tell us how to be friends with people because God's already unpacked that for us and his word needs to be the first place we go to when it comes to understanding how to be friends. Um, I just want to say this was a massive thing for me. It was sort of like incredibly overwhelming. Right? You might not think that it's that difficult to preach a message on friendship, but it is so nuanced and so big. It is such a large topic. It's like when you think you can do a Rubik's Cube because you see somebody else doing it. Right? You put it there and you see them doing it on YouTube tutorials and then you try and do it. And you realize it's a lot more difficult than you thought it was going to be at first. Well, that's how I thought uh, preaching on friendship was going to be. It's been quite easy, but it actually was quite difficult. You might have suggested we'll go and watch all 10 episodes or seasons of Friends. And you would have just got it sorted out. Right? Watching old Joey and Rachel and Chandler and what's the other guy's name? Ross. Right? I haven't watched it really. You would think that by going and watching that you would get it sorted out. But... um. God's Word, I believe, unpacks friendship in a completely different way. And I think God's Word teaches us how to be a true friend. And to try and define what I'm going to be speaking about tonight was incredibly difficult. But there's words like ultimate friendship that encapsulate it. True friendship. Right? Extreme friendship. Are words that I want to be able to use to try and unpack for us tonight what I believe it means to be a friend according to God's Word. I've often sat and wondered... I don't know if this has happened to you and someone's come up to you and said, how would you define true friendship? It's really difficult to accurately and holistically unpack that because there's so many dynamics that go into being a friend, particularly a true friend. I've often sat and wondered. I've also sat and, and, and wondered a lot about this message and as I've wondered about it, I've really come to to believe that our culture and our society has watered down this idea of friendship. It's watered down what God's Word says true friendship really is. And we've made true friendship something that isn't really true or isn't really deep or isn't really the fullest expression of friendship that we could ever engage in or experience. I think that's happened through stuff like advertising. You drive down any highway, you read any magazine, and it's all about you. It's about what you can do. Take a break. You deserve it. Get about the rest, put your feet up, spoil yourself, right? make life about you and forget everybody else. And we sort of like brought that into our friendships. Friendships seem to exist to serve our needs more than we exist to serve and to bless others. We become a selfish society and selfish culture. But social media, stuff like friends. You know what true friendship is? Yes, I've got 550 true friends because they've all said yes to my friend request on Facebook. And we get our value and a sense of self-worth based on how many friends we have on Facebook. But actually, honestly, all that really is, is it's a key to go and socially stalk them, right? Or check what's happening in their life. But have, get a phone call from somebody like that or invite out to coffee, you'd be like stalker, right? But it's okay because we're friends on Facebook. I think ungodly cultural expectations have shaped our idea of friendship. I've got nothing against the series Friends. But I'm not too sure that they love Jesus, right? So I'm not too sure that they give us the fullest expression of what true friendship 
is meant to be in the way that they live their lives and the way that they honor and treat each other. Some stuff is the same, sure. So don't shoot me down, all right? But I don't think that they give a full expression to what true friendship is really meant to be. I heard someone say the other day that they were loving watching Gossip Girl. I'm just like, what? And they're like, no, I love, I love the drama, right? Friendship's meant to be like that, and I've never watched it. Right? But I, I'm not too sure again there that um, the cultural expectations that have been set for us as God's people accurately represent the full and holistic and true friendship is meant to be. I believe we live in a world that has redefined what friendship is so much so that a lot of us who think we've got true friendship actually really only have a shell of what true friendship, according to God's word, is meant to be. And I believe that a lot of us who call ourselves true friends or think that we're true friends can't give to our friends as much as we expect them to be giving to us. In fact, we demand that we receive and not give. I think that's the type of world we live in and the culture we're growing up in. I really believe that as I look at God's word, as Christians, we need to, be, we need to begin defining friendship according to what's written in Scripture. We need to look at Jesus. We need to unpack the stories in Scripture and have a look at what true friendship really is. God's word is really the source of all truth. And so it is going to stand the test of time and it's going to stand the test of our questions when we come to it and ask God what it is that true friendship really is about. So um, I wanted to dig right in and have a look at what Jesus says part of true friendship really is, or how he defines true friendship. Right, in the book of John, uh, chapter 15, this is what Jesus says. says, This is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. I want you to love each other the way that I have loved you. And he's speaking to the disciples there. He says, Greater love has no one than this, that someone lay, lay down his life. For his friend. And I could, I could stop preaching there tonight. I could end it. And that would be enough for us to mull over for the next week. As you think about your Facebook friends. Right? How many of them would die for you? How many of them would you die for? Right? If you think about the people that you spend a lot of time with. How many of those people that you call friends. Are you in a place where you're willing to die for them? Jesus sort of succinctly defines friendship and ultimate friendship and the fullest expression of friendship. He says, you love somebody in such a way that you're able to lay down your life for them. That's what a true friend is. Greater love has no man than this. It becomes difficult here because you're sort of going, well, I need to line up all my friends in front of a firing squad and see who will stay. Right? If I'm going to find out who my true friends are, I'm going to have to put them to the test, last ultimate test, and they're going to have to prove that they'll lose their lives for me or at least be willing. I'm not too sure that that's practical. I'm not too sure that we can subject our true friends to that sort of torture. And I don't necessarily think that's what Jesus was getting at when he said that. Because to be honest, even people who don't love Jesus and don't know him have laid down their lives for other people. And I don't necessarily just think that just because they've done that, they've experienced or lived the full expression of friendship or the fulfillment of friendship that we can experience in Jesus. I think essentially what Jesus was saying is that true friendship is characterized by love, deep love, authentic love, genuine love, not just some fabricated or um, half of a shell of um, genuine love. God, God says true friendship is characterized by genuine love. It's a Christ love and it's a God love. The sort of love that Christ 
loved us with. True friendship, in essence, is based on a love that God gives us, the full expression of that love. John chapter 1 John uh, chapter 4 says this, Dear friends, love comes from God. Everyone who loves has been born of God and knows God. Since God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God, but if we love one another, God lives in us, and his love is made complete in us. If anyone acknowledges that Jesus is the Son of God, God lives in them and they in God. And so we know and rely on the love of God, on the love that God has for us. God is love. Whoever lives in love lives in God and God in them. This is how love is made complete among us, so that we have full confidence on the day of judgment. In this world, we are like Jesus. That's how we're able to have full confidence. Um, when the day of judgment comes, we are able to have full confidence knowing that we're going to be saved because we're like Jesus in this world. And we're like Jesus because the love of God is in us. He loves us, and we love him. It's a special type of love. And I believe people outside of Christ can love each other, but they cannot reach the full expression of love. And so, fundamentally, one of the first principles we get from God's Word when it comes to true friendship is that you have to have true love, which means you have to know the source of true love and true love himself, which is Jesus. In other words, you have to be saved. To be able to enter into a relationship where you're able to experience the full expression of true friendship, you have to be able to love truly. You have to know the source of love and be intimate with him. As I read scripture, I'm, I'm convinced and I'm convicted that I don't think it's possible for me to truly be a friend to someone apart from Jesus, as God's word defines friendship. And I don't think it's possible for someone to truly be my friend apart from knowing Jesus. And I know that for some people there's all sorts of alarm bells ringing. Like, are you, are you saying that my friendship with this person is not real and is not genuine and isn't founded on solid feelings and commitment to the person? That, I'm not saying that. I'm just saying I think there comes a point in someone's friendship, you with them and them with you, where it can't go any further if Jesus is not involved. And if Jesus is not in the center. And if Jesus is not in the center, everything that actually really is important is removed. I wouldn't want to just stop where Jesus ends, if that makes sense, in a relationship. The true friendship, I believe, pushes into the stuff that God has for us, and that's only possible through Jesus and through knowing him. I read this really awesome quote, and I'm not too sure who gave it, so I don't want to claim it as myself, as my own. I want to be honest about it. The person said that true friendship, the very essence of true friendship is mutual companionship, forged in the love of Jesus with these two convictions. One, that Jesus alone can satisfy the soul. And two, that his kingdom alone is worth living for. If you're going to experience friendship in its fullness, if you're going to experience ultimate friendship with somebody, you have to share Jesus as the center of your life. You have to be convinced that he is the only one worth living for. And you have to be convinced that his kingdom is the only kingdom worth living for. If you're going to experience true friendship, deep friendship, ultimate friendship, if you're going to move beyond just being acquaintances, if you're going to move into a realm that God intends for us to move into with our very close friends, with those who we call true friends, we need to be able to love Jesus and agree on at least those two things. 
There's a scripture in Amos chapter 3, verse 3, and it says this. Do two walk together unless they have agreed to do so? It's a rhetorical question. He's saying two people cannot walk together unless they've agreed to do so. In other words, they must be of like mind. They must be, dis- they must be um, thinking along the same lines when it comes to the direction you're going in and the destination. And it's the same for friendship. There's a place where if you are friends and deep friends and pouring time and energy into effort into somebody's life, and they don't love Jesus the way that you do, your roads are going to eventually split. You're going to come to a crossroads, you're going to come to a barrier, and you're going to have to decide to go this way while they decide to go that way. For us to be true friends, we have to be able to walk together in life's most important decision. And that's deciding what you're going to do with the truth of Jesus and who Jesus is. You have to be together in that. I've got unsaved friends, right? I've got friends that I call friends and have deep relationships with who don't know the Lord. I believe Jesus wants us to make friends with people who don't know him. He did it. But I don't know if Jesus wants us to make those people our core friends, our inner circle, those we call our closest people. And I'll tell you why. By using the example of me and my friends. The friends that I have that are unsaved, that I'm really, really close to, friends that I was friends with from school, they're friends that I make an effort to get together with, they're friends that I go hunting with, they're friends that I make biltong with, they're friends that I do a lot of stuff with, they're friends that I make bombs with and light crackers with on the farm. They've, I just I spend a lot of time with them and I, I deeply love them. And I know that they love me. And they show me that they love me. They respect me, we enjoy being around each other, but there comes a time when we are together where I'm always the awkward turtle, all right? I'm always the oddball, because at some point I check out of the conversation. At some point I feel a frustration because I want to bring to them my relationship with Jesus, but that is frowned upon. They respect that I'm a Christian, but they don't engage with Jesus the way I do. And he is the very essence of my life. He is the very reason I live. He is everything I want to live for and everything I want to do things for. The one I want to do everything I do for. And so when it comes to our friendship, we hit this barrier, and I'm forced to conclude and forced to admit, I cannot be true friends with these guys, because true friends means experiencing everything God wants me to in a friendship. Everything that is building me up and that I'm able to build into other people's lives comes through Jesus. And so I wouldn't define those friendships as true. And even at school, when when I had friends and I wasn't saved, They were good friendships, and we were loyal to each other the way unsaved people are loyal to each other, but there was still this deep need in my life. There was still this deep longing to be accepted. I still felt like I had to put masks on. There was still backbiting and backstabbing. And you could be super loyal friends and super good friends, and the flip of a hat, if a girl got involved, you weren't my friend anymore, right? I'm not saying girls, I'm saying guys, we make them problems, okay? Like for ourselves. Likewise for girls, as soon as a guy gets involved, then there's like this big mess up. There's no solid foundation. It seems good. You're building with what looks like to be good blocks, but then all of a sudden the foundations crumble and falls to pieces. Then conversely, when I got saved, and I came to church, very similar to Brad's testimony last week, I met these guys 
who ordinarily in the world I wouldn't have been friends with because I chose the popular people because in primary school I was the chubby kid who wasn't quite popular. And so I was so super stoked when I realized I was able to swim and play with the ball and got into the water polo team, all right, and, and made friends with the cool guys. Right? But, but outside of church, I mean, I mean outside, of, outside of that, in the church, after knowing Jesus, I made friends with guys that I ordinarily wouldn't have associated with. And it just happened because we shared Jesus together. All of a sudden, there was a depth of these relationships. I hadn't really spent much time with them. But I had already, because of Jesus, being at the center of our lives, experienced depth that I never would. With guys who don't know Jesus, that I'd spent years with. I realized that these were guys who believed that Jesus was the bread of life. These were guys who were believing together with me that he was living water. These were guys who believed with me that he was a pearl of great price, our light, our salvation, our king, our redeemer. And because of that common ground, all of a sudden this relationship just blossomed and it got deep and it was great and they are still growing. They are still growing. They are still flourishing. They are still nurturing me and growing me and edifying me and by the grace of God, I'm able to still do the same for them, even though with a lot of them it's over the phone call or by email. There are still deep, deep friendships because of what Jesus has done. I want to say, I don't mean to undermine the friendships that you have with people who don't know Jesus, but I want to suggest to you that God's desire for you is to press into a relationship with people and to experience true friendship so that it can bless you and you can be a blessing. And I want to say, I don't think that that's possible. And I'm convicted that it's not possible because as I've read God's word, I see it's not possible without Jesus. To experience ultimate friendship. And I believe that God wants every single one of his people to be in a relationship like that with somebody. There may not be many, but there will be some that you can enter into a relationship like that with. But the Bible also unpacks a whole lot more regarding the elements required for true friendship. And so now I'm just going to unpack five, and we're not going to take too long on them. I just want to unpack five elements which I believe are necessary on the foundation of Jesus to be in a true friendship. These elements are required. Right? Number one, a true friend will always tell you the truth. Right? I don't know about you, but before I knew Jesus, my friends wouldn't always tell me the truth. Right? Sometimes they thought they were doing a good thing. Most times they were just trying to be sneaky. Right? Often, in fact, all the time it ended up hurting. Very seldom would you find someone who told you the truth in love because they cared about your character more than they worried about how you were going to be responding to them. Right? This is what it says in Proverbs. Better is an open rebuke than hidden love. Wounds from a friend can be trusted but the kisses of an enemy are multiplied. Right? What that means is this. A true friend a true friend will tell you what you need to hear for your growth in character and for godliness. And you'll be more concerned about loving you that way than flattering you with kisses and making you believe everything's okay. An enemy will do that. And they're an enemy because they care less about your character and your godliness than they do about feeling good about making you feel good. That's not a true friend. God says that can't be in the sphere of what we call true friendship. Not telling people the truth. And as a culture, we tend to not like this. We tell people we don't like the truth. 
Life is that easy. It creates a bit of a distance. It creates a bit of a barrier. But how often do you find people who call themselves your friends sitting you down and in love having a difficult conversation with you? We've moved into a place as a culture where we believe that that means that that person has a problem with me and doesn't love me because they're not building me up. God's Word says that when you tell someone the truth in love and it's a character thing, you are loving them in a godly, biblical way. In fact, you are being a true friend. That's what Jesus does for us. We need friends to show us our sins. This is a vital function of true friendship or ultimate friendship or Christian friendship. We can't allow ourselves, if we want to be true friends with people, to excuse our friends' character deficits and sins by kissing them on the cheek and in a sense betraying them or them or her into believing that they're okay with the Lord. We have to be honest and honest in love if we're going to be true friends. That's a huge and vital requirement. For me, I've had some really difficult conversations had with me from my true friends. In the strangest ways and for the strangest reasons. But as I've sat about as I've sat and I've thought about it and I've analyzed what they've had to say, I've realized they're right. There's so many areas that friends can see that you can't. We call them blind spots. And a true friend is someone who's going to sit you down in love and help you to see that it's an issue. The second one is this. True friends have to be emotionally open with each other. David and Jonathan in the Bible are a perfect example of that. David was anointed the new king of Israel. There was a prophetic word given to him that he was going to be the new king of Israel. Saul was king at the time. Jonathan was Saul's son. Saul hated David. He was really jealous of him, wanted to kill him. And David and Jonathan somehow became great friends. In fact, God's word says that their souls were knit together. They became deep friends. And on hearing that David needed to leave, or on realizing that David needed to leave, because Saul was so after him, the two guys we read in 1 Samuel 20, 41, got together, said their goodbyes. David bowed face down on the ground. He then got up, they kissed each other, and they wept together. And they wept together. Here's the story. I just want to say this. I think as men particularly, we've, we've moved emotional openness and physical affection with each other into the realm of taboo. Right? We don't do that. We squash it. And so relationships, true friendship, isn't able to develop because there's still something we're holding back with and holding back on. And we believe a lie about something. Here were men who were hardcore warriors who got up and greeted each other, said goodbye to each other with a kiss, and cried together. I think often ladies are far better at this than men. And so, and I'm not just talking about crying uncontrollably whenever, right? Or getting together and really agreeing on the fact that a chick flick was deeply sad, right? I'm talking about getting together and honestly exposing their emotions and their hearts and how they feel about stuff. Those are really good at doing that. Guys, we struggle. Think about when last it was as a guy that you sat down with somebody that you called a true friend and had a good cry with him. Like, oh, that's, that's, that's the problem. 
And I'm not saying that your relationship with that person isn't true or growing or becoming better. I just think that's one of the areas that God says true friendship has in it. And you're missing out if you don't explore that and become real with each other. I think there's a place where emotional openness makes us more masculine than what the world says masculinity is. What often ends up happening is because we can't open up with other men, guys, we go to women. And we go and we open up there because it's okay to cry in front of a girl. In fact, maybe get you a few hugs from someone that you want to get a hug from. Right? It, it may get you a little bit intimate. It may open them up. And I just want to say to you, that is so dangerous. So dangerous. Marriages fall apart because of that. Because you go to another woman and not your wife. Or relationships that aren't supposed to develop, develop because you go and you share your emotions with the woman. I just want to say, when you do that, she blossoms. Right? We're going to share our emotions with somebody and we end up in this deep friendship that we actually require of another man but we end up having it with another woman with a lady. And ladies, you are great. Thank you for allowing us to cry with you. And thank you for teaching us how to respond emotionally. But guys, I think there's a place where if we're going to experience true godly friendship in its fullest, we actually have to be real with one another and our emotions and learn to cry with one another and be open with our emotions. Next thing is this. Three. Friends are loyal to the end and they will fight for you. Right? I'm not saying deny your weaknesses and condone your bad habits and your sins. I'm not saying that they'll fight for you even when you are incredibly wrong. They will tell you in love that you are wrong, but they will protect your integrity and protect your honor and they will stick with you no matter what. Right? An awesome example of this is Ruth and Naomi in the Bible. Ruth was one of Naomi's daughter-in-laws and her sons died. Ruth's husband passed away. Naomi lost um, her sons and her one daughter-in-law left and went back to her land. After Naomi said to her, go, go and be with your people. And she said the same thing, same thing, same thing to Ruth. And, um, and Ruth replied and said this, Do not urge me to leave you or to turn back from you. Where you go, I will go. Where you stay, I will stay. Your people will be my people and your God will be my God. Where you die, I will die and there I will be buried. May the Lord deal with me. Be it ever so severely, even if death separates you and me. What she was saying was, in eternity, we're still going to be together. That's what she was saying. That's how loyal I am to you. I will serve your God because even when you go to be with him in eternity, I do not want to not be with you then. That's how much of a friend I have found in you, mother in law How many of those relationships exist between ladies and their mother-in-law? Culture has made that relationship with you, and I just think they are amazing friendships to be had if we would just be loyal to those who God has given us. Another one is this. It's the fourth one. True friends bring us to God in our weakness. There's a scripture in Luke chapter 5, verse 18 to 19. It says this. Some men carrying a paralyzed man on a mat tried to take him into the house to lay him before Jesus. Where Jesus was teaching in the house and tons of people there. When they could not find a way to do this because of the crowd, they went up onto the roof and lowered him on his mat through the tiles into the middle of the crowd, right in front of Jesus. What these guys did was got up onto the roof of the house, someone else's house, and started to rip apart the tiles. Right? I don't know if your parents would be too happy with that. Right? But this is how desperate these guys were to get their friend to the feet of Jesus. 
true friends take you to the feet of Jesus when you need to be there. Even if you cannot get there yourself, they will drag you in intercessory prayer. They will get together with you. They will phone you. They will encourage you in the Lord and they will take you to the feet of Jesus and pray for you. Going back to my first point, that's not possible and you will not have that desire if you don't know Jesus. You cannot do that for somebody if you don't love him and recognize his authority and his greatness. The fullness of friendship is rooted in Jesus and true friends take you to him. Next one is this. True friendships love us for the glory of God. Here's what it says in 1 Corinthians. So whatever you eat, or so when, whether you eat or drink, or whatever it is that you do, do it all for the glory of God. A true friend is not somebody who's friends with you because of what they can get, because of how they can glorify you or how they can be glorified. A true friend is friends with you to this end, that they glorify God. Your friendship brings glory to Jesus. He is enthroned at the center of your friendship. He is on it. And we live in a world where people love to hear flattery about themselves. And we love to deal out flattery, not because that person doesn't deserve it, but because it makes us feel good to say that stuff. And the relationship becomes false adrenaline, in fact, emotionally charged, words of goodness towards each other. And I'm not saying that that's not good. We shouldn't affirm each other. But when that's when the relationship, but if that's all the relationship is, and if that's what it centers on, it becomes a problem because you've dethroned Jesus. A relationship that dethrones Jesus isn't going to survive long and isn't focused on the right thing. A true friend loves you to the glory of God. The world's idea of intimacy in friendship is that we must make as much as possible about our friends. We must, make, we must puff them up and make them feel like they're God. And they need to do the same for us. The word says that that's, that's backwards. The irony is the more you elevate Jesus in a friendship, the greater that friendship actually becomes enjoyable. The more you enjoy that friendship, the more you enjoy each other when Jesus is elevated. The true friend will love you to the glory of God. The reverse of that is this. The worst distortion of friendship arises when a friend encourages you, consciously or unconsciously, consciously or unconsciously, to place your affections somewhere else apart from God. That is not a true friend. As a believer, the center of your life is Jesus. A true friend is someone who will cause you to hang on to and hold on to Jesus. That's what a true friend will do for you. If someone calls himself your true friend and you are making every effort to be holy and godly and to elevate Jesus in your life and they consciously or subconsciously lure you away from honoring God, you've got to that that person truly loves you the way God desires a true friend to love you. A true friend will never try and replace himself on the, the altar or the throne that Jesus belongs on. They will never try and put themselves So tonight, I think we've uncapped, just unpacked this a little bit what true friendship really is and what it really contains. Fundamentally, it's based on Jesus and can only be experienced in Him. Full friendship, ultimate friendship, is only possible with Jesus. And has these five elements that we've unpacked, and a whole lot more. But I wanted to end tonight 
are just looking at a bit of a how-to, looking at some of the things we can do and should do in order to cultivate these friendships and to pursue them. And I, I realize that for a lot of people here tonight, this idea of friendship is incredibly sensitive because we feel like we don't have any or you desire them and no matter how much you've tried, they just haven't happened. I really believe it's God's desire that every single person who knows and has a friend like this, like David and Jonathan, were friends, like Naomi and Ruth were friends, like Elijah and Elisha were friends, like Jesus and his disciples were friends. I believe God has an intention for you to have those friendships. But I think sometimes we get that wrong. The first thing you need to know is that friendships are not cold toadstools, but oak trees. They take time to grow. They take time to develop. Deep, true friendships don't happen overnight. Right? You need to be able to accept that and be comfortable with that. My wife and I, we struggled when we first moved to Cape Town because we left lifelong friends. And we had this expectation that we we're going to pick up with other people we had never met in the same place that we had left off with people back home. Man, were we wrong. Not because you guys are not great but because genuine, deep friendships take a whole lot longer to build than you think. And praise God we're in that place with some people. Some of them have left and are still leaving to go overseas. And we're a little bit upset about that. <laughs> but that doesn't mean we won't make more. And that those won't continue. The second thing is this. There's a scripture in Proverbs chapter 18.24. It says, A man of many companions may come to ruin. But there is a friend who sticks closer than a brother. It's a little bit abstract, I admit this. But I think this is what this is trying to say. You, you can't be friends with everybody. Right? In the way that you'll be friends with your true, close, deep, intimate friend. You cannot. You, you'll just, you will ruin yourself trying to pour the amount of energy and effort into being friends like everybody. That can only happen with a select few. Even Jesus was friends with the twelve, and then he hung out with three, more than anything else, he put three of them with him into places when he went to go do things. I don't know what happened with the others, but they were somewhere, not with Jesus. And then even out of those three, there's one that's referred to as the disciple Jesus loved. Now, he loved all of them. He was closer with the three, but super tight with John. Right? You have to understand, you can't have, like on Facebook, 5,550 friends. Right? You have to apply yourself to some, not all, and that's going to require some work on your part. You cannot sit back and complain that you don't have these friendships if you're not going out and making the effort to get them. And I get that some people are introverted. And I get that introverts are freaked out by extroverts. Right? And extroverts can't understand introverts. I get the social challenge sometimes for people. Right? The only reason why I'm able to stand up here and do what I'm doing is because God has done a work in me. I just want to say, I think sometimes by not allowing God to work in you and trust in Him and His strength, your introvertedness or your extrovertedness has excluded you or has kept you from making deep friendships. And it's only when you desire 
you have those close friends more than you desire to hang on to your personality type as an excuse that you actually really begin to make those deep friendships. And I say that tenderly and with love. That's secondly. The last one is this. You have to remember the five days. Right? We love, we love the five days. The first one is accept. You have to accept the fact that true friendship isn't maybe going to come packaged the way that you think it's going to come packaged. And you have to accept the fact that you're going to have to make an effort to go and pursue people. And you have to accept the fact that it might not be the type of person you thought you were going to make friends with. Right? That's where TV series like Friends, right, I think distorts the picture for us a little bit. It paints a picture of what it should look like. And we have this expectation which is unrealistic. And when it's not met, we're like, right? We don't pursue it. You have to acknowledge people around you. When people start to make an effort with you, if they love Jesus and they're making an effort with you, acknowledge them. Acknowledge that someone's trying to make an effort and jump onto that. Who knows where that's going to go? You might just remain platonic friends. It might just be a superficial Christian relationship and part of community. But it might develop into something that's incredibly deep. You have to just acknowledge people around you and the effort that they're trying to make. Then when people do start to do that, and you have got friends that actually the relationship's going somewhere, appreciate them. Let them know what you appreciate them, let, about them. Let them know that you appreciate them. If they do something for you, say thank you. Right? Make an effort to let them know how valuable they are. And at least the next day, the fourth one, affirm them. The appreciation is something you give to somebody for what they've done for you. Affirmation is something you give to somebody because of who they are. Affirm people. Affirm the people in your life that are making an effort. Be grateful and affirm them. Look for Jesus in them and work hard at trying to be the friend you desire them to be. Someone once said this to me when I was speaking to them about what I should be looking for in a life partner, what I should be looking for in a wife. What is the ultimate checklist that I should have? What are the tick boxes that are fundamental? What are the ones that can sort of like be pushed to the side? And the person turned around and challenged me, and they're like, well, let's see the list of all the things that you are first. Right? In other words, stop trying to always look for the one that you want so desperately and ask God to start making you that person for somebody else. And nine times out of ten, two people praying that prayer, God will bring you together in a friendship before. Because he's a good God and he gives us the things that we ask for out of a, out of a pure heart. Trust in the Lord and he will give you the things that he richly wants to bless you with. And then the last one is this. Assure the people that you are friends with. That you will honor them and that you will love them and that you will honor Jesus that your heart is for him and your heart is for them. True friendship is not going to develop any other way. If these things are not in place and others in your relationship with people, I'm not too sure it is a true friendship. Because true friendship comes out of the richness that God has given us in Jesus for ourselves and for other people. Those relationships are are a huge blessing. I think we need, to, we need to honor the idea of true friendship and not allow it to be watered down the way the culture has allowed to be watered down. And I think we can show the world who Jesus is by the type of friendship 
Brady did it. Father, I just, I just want to thank you that you're the one who first called us friends. You're the one who laid down your life for us. You're the one who showed us what true friendship really is. And I want to pray for every single one of us in this church that we would be able to form deep friendship with one another because of what you've done for us. And that those friendships would be true and ultimate that they would be the fullest expression of what a friendship can be to the glory of your name. And where there are people in need, God provide for them, I pray. But cause them to come alive as well. Lord, I pray that where friendships are broken and need to be mended, that you would mend them. Where there needs to be repentance, that there would be repentance. Where pride needs to be destroyed, God, that you would lead people into putting it aside and seeking forgiveness and restoration with humility. In this area of friendship, Lord, I pray that you would, through the Spirit, help us to mull over what we've heard tonight and to redefine what true friendship is according to your word and then to pursue that. In Jesus' name. And Father, I thank you that as we get to worship you now, we worship the truest friend, the one who is our friend first and has never stopped pursuing us, the one who is always there our rock and our redeemer. Lord, thank you that we get to worship.